watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Hey everybody, welcome to the Binge Movie Podcast, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases from our own queer-ass perspectives. I am Jason Leroy. And I'm Rebecca Olarte, and today we have a very special interview that Jason did with the director of Moonlight, Barry Jenkins. Yes. So Moonlight is uh, is one of the year's best movies. Uh, That's it, what I've heard. It's been, you know, it's been hotly tipped since it first started to be screened for people. And, uh, and I saw it at Toronto. Ding! Second time I've said that in the new uh, calendar year. Um, I feel and, like this also came up at the same time that Birth of a Nation was getting um, bad press. So mm-hmm. it was like, oh, maybe there's another option. Right, which is, of course, a very reductive way of looking at it. Uh, yeah, well, but, yes, but, 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 I'm talking about the media. So. Yes, I know, I know. You're, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, like, and that was something that I had on my list of things to maybe talk to him about, but ultimately I decided not to, just because I knew, I knew already, you know, that he was going to be like, dude, come on. You yeah, know I mean, some like, chump at Vulture already It's a that. conversation that he, you know, like, that he's aware of and that he doesn't want to have to keep having, Nobody I'm sure. Um, because it's a deeply cynical conversation that there can only be this one Absolutely. black movie that becomes an awards frontrunner. With that said, that is a real thing. Um, whether or not it should be is a real thing. Right. And, um, and Moonlight is, uh, is certainly in that conversation. Um, and I will say, um, strictly in terms of comparing the two of them, that Moonlight is leagues and bounds uh, better uh, than The Birth of a Nation. Let me uh, let me cut in to do a little intro of the movie, and then we'll play the trailer, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit about um, your thoughts on the movie. Let's do it. Let's, let's hear a clip. Um, so the movie is a timeless story of human connection and self-discovery. It chronicles the life of a young black man from childhood to adulthood as he struggles to find his place in the world while growing up in a rough neighborhood of Miami. At some point, you gotta decide for yourself who you're gonna be. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. You gonna tell him why the other boys kick his ass all the time? What's wrong? I'm good. No, I'm seeing good, and you ain't it. So thanks for letting us play that. <laughs> <laughs> you got your regular Frankie Knuckles over there with you your know, clips. You know me. <laughs> Trying to keep an order. I know. I got you. Uh, so uh, so Moonlight, it started off as... So this, Barry Jenkins, our, our, our interview subject today, is a director and writer. This is his second um, feature as a director. His first was Medicine for Melancholy, uh, which was it came out in uh, 2008. And it was in San Francisco, a huge topic of conversation because it was set here. And uh, mm-hmm. it's actually a very ahead of its time story. Uh, it, it, it's sort of a, it's almost sort of like a, a black before sunrise. Um, mm-hmm. It stars Wyatt Cenac, um, mm-hmm. who went on to be on The Daily Show. And, uh, and it's about this uh, this one, it w- w- a would-be one-night stand um, between a black man and a black woman um, that turns into like a day spent walking around San Francisco together and sort of talking about what it's like to be young and black in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and so things that have gone on to become much bigger yeah. issues in terms of like the dwindling black population of the city in terms of police harassment of black people in San Francisco in terms of gentrification and taking over of historic neighborhoods mm-hmm. like this is just a check-in in 2008 wow. <laughs> for for what was going on at that point and uh so and it was definitely uh, a movie that had a lot of conversation going around in San Francisco at the time Outside of San Francisco, it was maybe a little bit less talked about, but A.O. Scott did put it on his 10 best films of the year list in the New York Times. Mm. Um, but then Barry Jenkins kind of went away for a while. 
Um, and, uh, and then he uh, gradually came to find this project. So Moonlight, it's based on an unpublished play um, mm. by, um, by a, a MacArthur Genius Grant recipient named Terrell McCraney. And it turned out that both uh, Terrell and Barry grew up in the exact same part of Miami that it takes place in. Oh, interesting. And uh, which is called Liberty City. And it's a very, very rough area. And, um, and then not only did they grow up there around the same time, but they both had mothers who were crackheads. Oh. And, uh, and so they had all these points of connection uh, in their lives. And so even though Terrell was writing from a queer perspective and Barry is not queer, uh, when he read this text, uh, he was blown away. And, um, and so he set off um, adapting it uh, and turning it into this amazing movie. So as you described in your, in your, in your summary of it, it's a story in three acts. So we check in with this boy uh, when he's very young. Um, and uh, and uh, the chapter is just called um, Little um, because that was uh, what everyone called him. The middle is when he is uh, kind of later in senior high. And it's called Chiron, which is his actual name. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third chapter is him as an adult man. And it's called uh, Black, which was a nickname that he had had when he was a teenager. And, uh, and it's really about, uh, it's the intersection, the word intersection gets used a lot around this movie. And this is a great mm. movie to talk about in terms of intersectionality, uh, because it's the intersection of race, it's the intersection of class, mm-hmm. it's the intersection of sexuality, um, because uh, it is a queer story, and, um, and Chiron is a gay character. And so we see, um, and you know, so it's about the construction of masculinity, black masculinity in particular, um, within this, uh, this kind of impoverished setting. And this little boy who's realizing he's different and trying to find out what that means in this world Mm -hmm. and what that world outside of himself thinks of him and trying to navigate it as safely as possible with um, with different kind of parental figures. So Naomi Harris plays his mother um, in a very, very raw, uh, 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 affecting performance that's that's been getting a lot of supporting actress buzz. Um, And then in a really mind-blowingly beautiful performance uh mehershala ali hmm. from house of cards and from kicks he was just in kicks yeah yes um plays um and uh luke cage and luke cage yes big year big year for him um and he plays and he's also getting a lot of awards buzz for this performance he plays um a um a crack dealer who uh becomes sort of a, a de facto father figure to young um chiron when he's little his wife is played by janelle monet Oh, interesting. Uh, so she's in it as well, and then uh, and then so we kind of see, you know, this is this is what he had as a child to help build him, um, but uh, but then things don't necessarily go well. Um, this is one of the most heartbreaking movies I have ever seen. Wow, wow! It just is pummeling, um, but it, it but it's, it's 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 it earns it. It earns every bit of pummel um, that it gives you. And uh, and there there's there's there are moments in this movie that I feel like the emotional experience of watching will be like imprinted on me forever. Um, That's amazing. It's uh, it's 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 really remarkable. Uh, these and these these three actors who've been cast to play Chiron at three different ages are not known actors. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the little boy had never acted before, and and yet they do. They, they each of them is so brilliant and plays the role so perfectly. Um, we also have um, a character that is uh, named Kevin, who is Chiron's friend, uh, who in all three chapters is there, and is somebody who he kind of has this crush on. Uh, so we get to see this evolution of this relationship mm-hmm. between Chiron and his friend, Kevin, who he has this crush on. Um, but 
to call it a crush almost kind of sounds like it undermines or suggests that it's not a movie of extreme gravity and depiction of the things that end up happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it's it's really just it's just a knockout. Uh, the musical cues are all superb. Uh, this is I mean, this is a movie that. Uh, it's also um, A24 is you know this is their movie A24 every time and it's also it's the first movie that they produced and financed and not just distributed so yeah so this is good things to come yes uh, so it speaks speaks very well things to come um, from A24 who continues to be killing it in the game uh, so yeah, so I, I was, um, very honored to get to sit down and talk with Barry, um, about all of this, um, and also talk about his time living in San Francisco. Um, he actually worked at Banana Republic, uh, <laughs> when he was here. We talk about that a bit, be, uh, myself also having been a, an alumni of the, of Gap Inc. Mm-hmm. Um, and he even has a story about how one of the best song cues in the movie comes from going to Soul Night at the Makeout Room. Oh, nice. Great. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Let's, uh, let's listen to the interview. All right. Well, uh, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. Uh, I was reading the Fader profile of you this morning, oh. and uh, <laughs> and uh, and in it you talked about just the anxiety of of having the Telluride premiere and getting it out there for the public. We're what six or seven weeks later now, so I was wondering how you're feeling at this point. No, I mean it's gone extremely well. You know, I feel like a, a very privileged person at this point. You know, I have friends who've made films that are really, really awesome. Um, you know that that for whatever reason, don't do this or do that. And so it's been really nice. You know, the biggest thing is, you know, the places we've been aren't places like the the location the movie is set. You know, they're not inner city Miami. And they, the audiences don't feature characters like our, like our characters. And yet people are identifying uh, with the film in a very passionate, like, intimate way. Um, there's something really wonderful about that. You know, I mean, as any kind of artist, it's sort of like uh, the, the thing you hope for. Uh, is there anything that's been especially surprising about the reactions you've been getting so far? Uh, not surprising. I think, you know, just me as an artist, I, I never think anybody's going to vibe with, uh, with with what I make. So, <laughs> you know, but but that's sort of this this thing of uh, self-deprecation and whatnot. But no, again, it's just been the fact that, you know, I've had people from completely different socioeconomic backgrounds than, than the characters in this film mm-hmm. have just like a deep, deep reaction to, to the movie, you know, this, these deep levels uh, of empathy. And um, it's not that it's surprising, you know, but it's just like, you just, it's unexpected, you know. Um, I think, again, any artist, you never expect someone to see that much of what you see in your own work. Mm-hmm. Um, but the biggest thing is I think people are seeing themselves um, in the film, despite, you know, not having anything um, anything directly in relation to, to the characters or the story. Yeah. Yeah, it's you know there's always that universality and specificity, and and you know you have your own references you bring to the table when you watch it. Mm-hmm. I I for one uh, was thinking a lot about Heath Ledger and Brokeback Mountain mm-hmm. during the third chapter especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, there just felt like a really deep soul connection between those two. And uh, for Miami, my main reference had always just been the Golden Girls. So now, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, we we actually scouted um, the neighborhood <laughs> where the Golden Girls house no. um, was, and I think I, I got on Twitter and I pitched. I pitched like uh, a remake of Golden Girls that featured like it was like Oprah and Michelle Williams or something, <laughs> but um, but yeah, you know it's funny that there, there have been certain depictions of Miami um, and television and and cinema, um, and not, none of them have come even close. I feel like to the neighborhood, you know, and the characters in this film, and I don't know, 
I don't know why that is, you know? Just like, you know, people are talking about Moonlight as it relates to the black mm-hmm. experience. The black experience is this very wide, sort of sweeping thing. Um, I think Miami, in the same way, is this sort of wide, sweeping, very diverse um, place. And many slivers of the city have uh, have been touched on, but for whatever reason, this one uh, had not been. And it took someone like Terrell, you know, mm-hmm. who's just so of Miami, you know, to kickstart the process of that happening. Yeah. Uh, almost every profile of you I've read uh, has something in it about he's described as very private and very guarded and, uh, and, and yet in those same profiles you know with this movie you're, you're being very honest and frank about your childhood and your connections to this story mm-hmm. how has that been for you to kind of be out in public in the press talking about that stuff you know it's, uh, it's interesting and as I said in the Fader profile it kind of mm-hmm. snuck up on me you know in my mind I was hiding behind Terrell. You know, it's not about me. It's right. about this dude. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, just the way I go about making making movies or making anything, I can't not put my full self into it. And so what ended up happening was, you know, in the sort of, in having the comfort of the movie, uh, the story originating with Terrell, and being, I would say, more biographical to him than it is mm-hmm. to me, it allowed me the space, you know, to really sort of, like as you say, you know, come out from behind mm-hmm. closed doors and actually deal you know with uh, the mess of my childhood and my relationship yeah. um, to my mom in a really visceral way you know the whole process of making this film has been incredibly uh, therapeutic you know because mm-hmm. as a filmmaker you know I didn't get into this until I'd left uh, Miami I went off to college in Tallahassee and then I just kept moving westward right. um, and so this is this movie sort of snapped me back to Miami in a way uh, that I definitely was not capable of, you know, eight years ago, ten years ago, uh, that I just emotionally wasn't wasn't ready for. Yeah. Uh, do you think the extent to which you know working at Telluride as the programmer and doing these these Q and A's, facilitating these things, that they've you know thoroughly kind of prepared you for being on out on the other side in this very kind of extensive press tour you're going to be doing? Yeah, in, in a certain way, you know, I've done a lot of things at Telluride. I think my yeah. filmmaking voice. Uh, kind of was developed there. The, mm-hmm. the first time I went there was as a part of this program called the Student Symposium, where you know you see a film and you go back to a classroom. The filmmaker walks in, and for an hour they just talk about their process. You know, it's a very, very uh, humanizing, I guess, is the way. But it made filmmaking seem attainable. You know, here are these mm-hmm. titans of world cinema, yeah. and they're talking about basically they have the same problems I have mm-hmm. in my student films. Um, mm-hmm. And so over the course of like the last fourteen years, I guess I've been at the festival. Yeah, I've seen. A lot of this stuff, um, and I've also been on the other side. I've been the person holding the recorder, you mm-hmm. know, asking these questions. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I guess it kind of has been a boot camp uh, <laughs> for, for this moment I find myself in now. Um, but I also realize how much of a privilege it is too. Uh, is there a chapter of the movie that you feel the strongest personal connection to? Uh, I mean, everything with uh, uh, Naomi Harris's character mm-hmm. Paula, yeah. I feel like is very, very. Um, it's shared between myself and Terrell, but that's the mm-hmm. place where I see myself the most, like in this character, the mm-hmm. way he relates um, to his mother. And so I'd say that scene in the third story mm-hmm. where uh, tri- where, uh, where Black visits Paula, I think that's where I kind of like see the most, mm-hmm. the most. Um, but then on the other side too, you know, as people say in these interviews, right. I'm a very guarded, private kind of person. Right. Um, and I think because of my relationship with my mom and just the way I grew up, I do have a hard time sort of like opening up you know in in a personal relationship sometimes sometimes and so I think the way uh, Trevante and Andre Mm -hmm. have this sort of tete-a-tete and that diner um, it was a very visceral experience for me because I could see in both those men Mm -hmm. you know um, 
myself yeah. um, and, and so many of my past uh, relationships and, and trying to allow myself to be fully present, you know, in those relationships, but never having 20 minutes of a film you yeah. know, <laughs> to actually like, like study it and study myself. Yeah. <laughs> The use of Barbara Lewis, Hello Stranger, and that scene knocked me on my ass. You know, that's a very... Do you live here? I do, yeah. So that's a very San Francisco moment. So I used to go to uh, the Soul Night at the Makeout Room. Oh, yeah. And uh, the Tuesday Soul Night, not the Saturday Soul Night. Got it, and yeah. they play the... It's like slow, chill soul. And they only play 45s. And mm -hmm. that was the first time I heard that Barbara Lewis. And I just mm -hmm. remember the first time... Uh, who was the DJ? I think it was Primo. First time Primo dropped the needle on that Barbara Lewis. I was like, ah, oh, this is fucking amazing. Yeah. And, uh, and I did something you're not supposed to do because I went to film school. I know you're not supposed to do this, but when we shot that scene, we played that song in the diner out loud every time because I was like, I am planting a flag and this song is in the film. And, uh, you know, and it's uh, filmmakers or student, student filmmakers don't ever do that. Um, but yeah, it was one of those things where I just knew the emotion of that song because um, I knew what it, it had done to me and it just, it just had yeah. to be there. How long did you live in the Bay Area? Uh, eight years, uh, six in San Francisco, uh, actually uh, nine years, seven in San Francisco, two in, uh, in Oakland. Okay. Yeah. And you worked at a Banana Republic at one point? I did. So the, the still photographer on this film worked yeah. with me oh. at Banana Republic. This guy, David Bourne, friend. Um, best job I've ever had in my life. I, I worked the, uh, I was, uh, was on the, the shipping crew. And so I'd get there at 5.30 in the morning, the truck would show up, we'd mm -hmm. unload the boxes. But... The beauty of it was we would just stand around these massive tables like this mm -hmm. and we would, you know, unbox things yeah. and fold them. And it's like me and two dudes from the hood who actually put in a medicine for melancholy. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there'd be like a, a, a deaf woman who only spoke sign language. There'd be a Chinese immigrant, mm -hmm. uh, one who spoke English, one who didn't. And the nephew would, would like translate the, the, the aunt's jokes at the table. And then there'd be like these these white girls who are going like the fashion institute mm -hmm. and we're all just around this table mm -hmm. for like seven hours just talking about our day you know 5 30 6 30 7 30 in the morning and uh and then i'd get off at two and i'd go to the cafe and write so it was like the best job ever i think it's a more enriching gap inc experience than most have i, I also was in the gap inc family for five yeah. years so uh see yeah. i never i never worked the floor and i heard right. working the floor yeah. was horrible yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah you weren't uh uh, folding sweaters. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so I feel like the concept of, of toxic masculinity is becoming mm -hmm. a major buzzword, perhaps mm -hmm. because of one of our presidential candidates. Mm. Uh, but I feel like no movie has ever illustrated the construction of masculinity mm -hmm. like Moonlight has. Uh, I was wondering if you, you know, what connection, if any, you feel to those conversations around like toxic masculinity. No, no, big time. I think I think there's we couldn't have cast Travante Rhodes, who plays Black in the Third Story, and not been been leaning into yeah. the idea of of that conversation and, and just sort of the, uh, you know, from a from a psychotherapy standpoint, mm -hmm. you know, the ways in which society can sometimes dictate, you know, not only masculinity but so many different aspects of our personalities, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that the movie, you know, you know, we cast these three different actors to play the same character, and all this time passes between the chapters. And the idea is, in that time that's passing, when you see this new person, it's because now we're showing you how the world has shaped them. You know, mm -hmm. This is what happens, you know? And I think when we get to the third story, and, you know, we see this guy with all these muscles and these fronts, you know, to me it's an idea of uh, this, this notion of toxic masculinity run amok, you know? Mm -hmm. To the point where, you know, this guy is 
not allow the outside world, but it's sort of almost thrown in the towel. And now he's like, this is what I'll do to the outside world, I can't get in mm-hmm. um, to me. Um, and, and I think it's something we don't talk about about often um, because it's so prevalent, you know? It's almost like, um, I wanna say it's just systemic in a certain way, you know? There are ways of being a man that are acceptable. And there are ways of being a man that are unacceptable. Yeah. Um, and usually the ways that are acceptable um, are designed to completely subdue the ways that aren't, uh, or that are deemed unacceptable. Um, and I think the journey of this character is about charting, you know, how, I think in a very subtle way, mm-hmm. you know, the dynamics of that can 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 bear out um, how you can see those if, if you watch a person uh, evolve over time. Yeah. Uh, it's brilliantly done. Thank uh, you, man. Uh, you brought Madsen for Melancholy, uh, which now feels almost ahead of its time. It feels in, old. <laughs> <laughs> almost quaint. Like, oh, <laughs> it's like things, things seem more hopeful. Uh, what kind of conversations do you think they'd be having if that film took place today? How their conversations have changed? Oh, my God. I mean, could, 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 we, could we find that? You know what? I'm not. You know, it's funny. I was talking to Pam Grady, and we mm-hmm. almost got into this topic, and I was just like, you know what? I made a movie about Miami. I'm going to talk about Miami on this press tour. I am not going to talk about the only two black people in San Francisco. I am just not not going to do it. No, no, you know the city has changed. So when I when I made that film, I mm-hmm. got in here for the first time in like '02 or '03, um, and then you know I think I started writing that film around '06 or '07. Mm-hmm. And now to think, if I was like pissed or feeling sort of like off kilter about the city, then can you imagine? I mean, it is insane. It is insane. Um, um, and, and I think the thing I think of is, you know, I made this film called Remigration in 2011. That was sort of, it was sort of a, a more, I think, uh, mature extrapolation of some of the themes that the characters are talking about in medicine. And really what, what it was about was this notion of the, the working class and this sort of like passive or this microaggression towards the working class, you know, in a city where you know, the standard of living or the cost of living mm-hmm. is so ridiculously high. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know that the themes in, in medicine would be at the core of the piece if I made it today. Yeah. You know, there probably might be some, some other deeper, uh, darker shit at play because I do think the situation in the city has gotten more dire. I don't live here anymore, right. so I can't really speak to it, but sure. I mean, just being around, it seems like you live here, right? What's going on with your city, girl? <laughs> <laughs> Technically, I'm in I'm in Daly City. See, mm-hmm. so not really San Francisco. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, uh, but but it's you know, and in the, in the, at the end of the day, it's a beautiful city, you know, and it always will be. And people will always will always want uh, to live here. It's just a shame that you know, for certain very particular reasons, a lot of people just literally cannot. Yeah, know? yeah. No, I've been here since 2005. Uh, you got rent control? I do. Good. Yes. Good. Yeah, you, you sit on that, bro. Golden handcuffs, they call it. Nice. Can't ever leave it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and don't let them buy you out either, because that no. shit, no. not worth it. No, I agree. But let's talk about the movie, bro. <laughs> I can't, because I, I, I know it's going to always happen. I'm going to get drawn For into San Francisco housing and politics, I know. I know, and I'm, you made I'm, a movie that, that just resonated with all of us so deeply. It's just going to keep coming up. I remember it was the talk of Dolores Park the year it came out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, and I heard they were playing Solange in Dolores Park last week, and I was like, all right, I guess I'm kind of proud of that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was going to ask about the Solange album. I saw you tweet about it. I love it. Oh, uh, I love it so much. 
I mean, if 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 that had come out, I mean, it's too contemporary to have been in the movie, but but you know, I feel like you know this movie is made on this just not influence, but I definitely feel inspired by all these black artists that have been working in the last five to eight years, contributing to this whatever this thing is that I'm glad to be a part of again, you know. Um, and I think records like like Frank's two, last record, Solange's, you know, I kind of feel like I'm like surfing this wave, you know. And, and, and the water is composed of all this other just great art that everybody's making right now. What a delightful interview and even a little bit of uh, rental advice. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, it's, it's wise words. Uh, so it was really a treat. And, uh, and here at The Binge, we can't wait to see what Barry does next. And we can't wait to see what happens when you all get to see Moonlight. And then, God willing, uh, once award season um, dips into it good and well. This is definitely getting a binge it from you. All the way. It's going to be in the best of the year list for sure. And then can you just run over the release dates real quick? Uh, so Moonlight is going to be opening in uh, New York and L.A. on the 21st of October. And then the following week, the 28th, it will be opening in San Francisco. And then check your local listings if you're outside those cities to see when it comes your way. Awesome. And it's rated R for some sexuality, drug use, brief violence, and language throughout. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we hope you enjoyed that interview. Uh, I sure did. Um, and be sure to find Jason uh, on Twitter at Excess Baggage. I refuse to say it. I don't know if you picked, I, I up, picked up, on that. up on that. Yes. And I am at Fight Balance. Uh, well, thanks. I won't say that either because I'm not a fighter. So there. <laughs> and, and you have terrible balance. <laughs> Thank you so much. Bye. Bye bye. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end. That's amazing. There, there goes, goes the, the binge. binge.